Miss Virginia, who's your helper today? Maggie. Miss Maggie? Oh, Miss Maggie's a school teacher. Y'all better straighten up. Okay, yeah. Those of you who are staying, please open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. One of the only books in the Bible that we don't actually know who the author was. We have a great idea, at least I, I do. You might not know, but I do. But we're going to dive in just a little bit and see what the book of Hebrews has to say this morning. Hebrews chapter 4. Also, if you're staying with, uh, in the sanctuary, please turn on your, uh, your phone, go to social media, and let the world know through your social media outlets you are worshiping our Lord and Savior this morning at Chevis Oaks Baptist Church. Check in. Amen? Okay, listen, I'm excited about this message, and y'all don't even know what it is yet. Y'all better start getting a little more excited, all right? Amen? Amen. All right. Last week, as we continue in our series, There is Power In. We're looking at what there is power in. Uh, We watched as Jesus came to the shore in a boat. That's all he did. That's it. He came from one side. They had a little confrontation in the middle with the storms and the waves and the wind. And he came to the other side and and all the boat did was pull up on the other side of the shore. All he did was walk on the shore and a man who was possessed with a multitude of demons named Legion approached him. He fell at his feet and begged him not to torture him. The, The demon called Jesus by name. Because he knew who he was and begged not to be tortured because he knew that Jesus was able to do this. We learn that all of this happened because there is power in the presence of Jesus. Ah, that's a little better. That's a little better. Y'all, y'all are warming up. Now, we looked, at our, we, we looked at ourselves and asked the question, if we know there is power in the presence of Jesus, then why, church, why, why, why do we so often exclude ourselves from the presence of Jesus with no real answer in return? Now, look, many of y'all were here last week, and I got you. I got you, every one of you, every single person, 100% raised your hand and said, yes, brother, I know there's power in the presence of Jesus. I mean, y'all were excited. You knew there was power in the presence of Jesus, but you didn't show up Sunday night. Now, we are having church Sunday night with an added incentive. The night we're having a 4th of July celebration. We're having hot dogs, homemade ice cream. And look, did y'all hear that? I hear you back there, Sarah. And bold peanuts and what we're having a celebration. So be here tonight. And you get the word of God. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. Now this morning we're going to continue with our series as we'll examine another power that is very evident. Church, you ready? There is power in the word of God. There is power in the Word of God. Now listen, some of y'all need to, y'all need to listen. Y'all need to pay attention. You need to jog yourself. You need to get, you know, wake yourself up a little bit. Because I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you, this is the first time this week you've had a copy of the Word of God in your hand. Some of you, if I told you, I said, listen, go get your Bible. You, you're not, you don't know where it is. Or it's dusty. Or it's in the back of a window of a car or in the front seat of a car. Or it might be, listen, it might be in the church office been lost for three months. That's not funny. There is power, power in the Word of God this morning. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this. 
For the word of God, what's that next word? Is. The word of God is living and effective and sharper than a two-edged sword. The Greek word for that is makairos, which is a scalpel. Penetrating as far to divide soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It is a judge of the ideas and thoughts of the heart. The Word of God, church, has power. The Word of God is power, and the Word of God is powerful. Let's pray. Father, as we come into your presence this morning, Right at the very beginning of this message, Lord, I, I want to admit to you that I'm not worthy to preach this message. There's not one of us, myself included, who's in your word enough. And God, if we'll admit that, we can move forward. If we'll admit that we don't know enough, we can move forward. It's only when we feel like we have enough, we've done enough, we've read enough that we're in trouble. So God, I'm not saying this in an arrogant manner. I'm saying it because I'm guilty. I'm not in your word enough, so please forgive me. Lord, I pray that you can, your spirit will convict not only my heart, but every heart in this congregation to understand the power and the privilege it is to open your word and learn from you. Be with us during the remainder of this sermon that you might be glorified. We, Lord, we, we might feel your presence and become greater servants when we walk through this door, these doors for you. In Jesus' name I do pray and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. So far in this series, we've learned that there is a perfect model of prayer. And when we pray in the right manner, and there's a right manner to pray, we ought not babble and say the same thing over and over and over again. And when I read that scripture, church, I have to admit, I, 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 I felt guilty to a certain degree because God knows our hearts and desires before we even say them. Does he not? And for us to, to pray the same prayers time and time and time again, he wants to hear from us, but I almost feel guilty for laying those same prayers and petitions before the Lord. But he wants to hear from us because there is power in, the, in, in, in prayer. Now, we will receive power from the Lord through prayer. We learn that there is power in the name of God. And again, last week we learned that there is power just in the presence of Jesus. Now, today we've seen in Scripture that the Bible this book right here has power in it, and we need to learn how to get that power out that we may benefit from that power. Now, you may be asking, what kind of power does the Bible have? Now, listen, wake up, shake yourself, don't go to sleep. I might come tap on your shoulder. Listen to this. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this about the power of the Bible, the Word of God. So then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Now we're going to hit that point at the very end. But you need to understand that faith, our faith is gauged by when we hear and understand the word of God. And hearing comes through the word of God. There are steps that we need to understand here, church, this morning. But what is it that we, we need to understand? What does scripture tell us this morning about the power of the word of God? This right here. Do you cherish your Bible? Do you? Do you know in, in every Christian household, every family, when there is a devout Christian who passes away, do you know what the family argues and fights over more times often than, than any other? They want grandma's Bible. Y'all, I, listen, I, I used to be a thief. 
I, I used to, I mean, I used to, th I, I used to go to places and steal just to see how I could get away with it before I got saved. I really did. And, I, and now even the thought of stealing, I mean, I it just, I, there ain't no way. Ricky, I'm not, no, I'm not going to stand before Jesus for stealing. But I wish I'd have been the first at Grandma's house to get her Bible. And I, I don't know how I could have covered that up, Bill. Does anybody know where Grandma's Bible is? And I, mm, I wish I had Grandma's Bible. Not so much for the words, because, Ricky, I've got the words. I've got the same, I, I can, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly what translation she used, but I, I, I can find the translation. It, it's, not, it's not that. It's that my grandmother's Bible, I know it had tears. And some of those tears were meant for me. And there, there were important Bible verses to her that she had outlined and underlined, and she had notes of hers in her own handwriting that, that she wrote in her Bible. That Bible meant something to her. How in the world, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. My grandmother's Bible probably meant more to her than some of her grandkids did. I know a couple of them anyway. How in the world can that be? How can a book have so much power over a person? They, they love this Bible more than they love people. Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you this morning. Our scripture told us this morning. What does our scripture tell us about the power of the Bible. Number one, Hebrews tells us that the Word of God is alive. <laughs> hold on a second. Hold on. Y'all know what I'm doing, right? Yeah, I'm, hold on. Put it up the glass. I don't, I'm not seeing any breath. I don't hear any heartbeat. Wait, hold on a second. The writer of Hebrews, which I believe is the, the Luke, uh, says the Word of God is alive. Now, the way we gauge life is we look at something and determine whether it is an inanimate object, which isn't living, or an animate object, which is living. And listen, we can, we can do that fairly quick. This plant down here, it's been here since I have been your pastor, almost eight years. And listen, Vicki comes in here on Fridays and she halfway cleans up in here and she does some stuff like that. And, 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 but there's one thing that I've never seen Vicki do when she comes in here to, to halfway clean. Y'all know what it is? I've never seen her water this plant. Lord, I believe that. She should not water this plant because our eyes should be able to tell us pretty quickly that it is not real. It, it's not real. Listen, this, this right here, this, this was real at one time because it was a tree living in the, but right now it, it's dead. It's, it, it has no life in it. We can tell and determine whether something is real. And listen, something that's wrong with you as a Christian is you don't understand the fact that the Word of God is alive. It's alive and it needs attention. It really does. Brother Kyle, hold on a second. You said we determine we, through our senses whether something's alive, and you just proved standing in the pulpit that the Word of God is not alive because you couldn't feel a fault pulse, you couldn't see a breath, and you couldn't hear a heartbeat. Oh, but I can. You see, we'll get to it here in a second because the Bible affects a part of us that we can't see. We can't touch. We can't feel a pulse, but we know it's there, and it's our spirit, our soul. I, I know that the Word of God is alive because the Word of God talks to me. This plant cannot talk to me. And Vicki, don't water this plant again, okay? <laughs> Lord, 
It, it can't breathe. It, it's not ever going to grow. R- Ricky, it's not going to get any greener or taller, brighter, and it's not going to turn brown. That's why we paid a little extra for it to put it in here so we don't have to water it. Amen? But the Word of God is alive. Do you know the Word of God speaks to me? I just admitted something to you in the pulpit that we all need to admit to ourselves. We don't read the Bible as much as we need to. You know, I I didn't come to that grand conclusion on my own. You know how I know I don't read the Bible enough, Terry? Because the Holy Spirit of God tells me that I don't read the Bible enough. Listen, when when my Bible is, is sitting dormant, and when a day goes by that, that I, I don't have my Bible to read my Bible, the, the Word of God screams out to me, you need to get in the Word. You need to understand. You're missing something. You are missing something. How in the world can something that's dead scream out to you and convict your heart of doing something if it is dead? It cannot, church. Listen, the Word of God is powerful because it is alive. Amen? But the the writer of Hebrews does not stop there. He says the word of God is effective. It's effective. Hold on a second. What what does that mean? Let let me try and break it down like this. I I have three children. And when they were growing up in our house, one of our houses in in Greer, uh, we would give them things to do, chores to do. Right? Just like y'all try to do at home with your children. And out of all three, they, they all took on their tasks in different manners. Now, our daughter, she would generally try and get it done quick so she could go off and be with her friends. She was a social butterfly. She loved to be. So she'd get it done, knock, knock it out. Now, generally, it was half done. And when she was cleaning her room, the closet was full and under her bed was full, you know, including dishes and all that stuff. But you'd walk in and look, and, you know, it appeared clean. Now, Kyle Jr., was a procrastinator. He, he didn't care. He said, Dad, I'm going to get it. You, you said you wanted it done today. He, was, he, he just took your sentence and dissected it. You said that you wanted this George done today. So I am going to do it today. The sun has not gone down, so it's still daytime, Dad. Right? Now, Alex, on the other hand, he was, he was different. He was different. You give him the list... And that boy was afraid that the sun was going to go down early and he was going to get a beating, so he wanted to get it done right then. He said, Dad, I'm going to start right now. He, he, he got it done. Now, he'd have the whole rest of the day, and then Kyle would try and entice him to, you know. Now, Alex has always been business-minded. Oh, you want me to help you with your chores? How much you paying? Ingenuity at its best, Amen. Well, Brother Kyle, what, what are you talking about here? What, why, what, what, how are you using this illustration? It, it was effective. What that means, effectiveness means that it works. What this author is trying to tell us is the Bible, the Bible, the Word of God is effective. What do you mean? It is real. It absolutely works. Test it. Try it. Prove it. The Word of God works. Well, Brother Kyle, how do you know that? I was a liar, a chief, a thief. I was a whoremonger. I was a drunk. Because of the Word of God, the words that are in the Word of God, God changed my life. He he, he changed me from the top of my head, bald head, to the tips of my toes. Jesus changed me. It's effective. It works. Everybody has that one friend or family member who just... Um, I mean, you, you think every week they've hit a new low. They've hit rock bottom. And, and they come and they ask you, you know, what, what can I do? What can I do? Pray and read the Word of God. 
Well, I've tried that. Pray and read the Word of God again. Scripture says the Word of God does not return void. Once it's in there, it's, it's in there. It, it, it's like uh, shooting a, a, a gun in a, in a four-room four con- with four uh, concrete walls. It just bounces around until it stops, but it's still in there. The Word of God, once it comes in, it, it can't leave. You might not be able to quote the Scripture, but it's inside of you. And when the time arises that you need it, the Holy Spirit jogs your memory and you remember what the Word of God says. Why? How is that possible? Because, listen, Josh, the Word of God is effective. It's effective. It's real. It's true. But he doesn't stop there. The author also says this. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, a makairos, a a scalpel, penetrating as far as dividing the soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. You might be thinking, "What, what, what does that mean, Brother Kyle? I mean, those are surgical terms. What was Luke? A doctor. Those are surgical terms. Maybe, maybe Luke did write Hebrews. I don't know. I think he did. But hey, What's he talking about here? The Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing soul, spirit, bone, marrow. If you will get in the Word of God, there's not a part of your body that the Word of God can't penetrate and touch. It cannot. Listen, I cannot touch my spirit. Y'all, I watched a crazy video. Uh, other day, uh, this this interviewer, this guy was interviewing this woman. Y'all might have seen it, and she was talking to him about leaving her body and going to other universes. And this this guy, this guy Ricky, he's he's got the microphone and he's he's talking to this woman. And he's looking like I can't believe I just asked this woman this question. I, I can't. Why in the world did I do that? Because I'm gonna tell you, she she went out. She she went out on a trip. She was talking about eating some sort of exotic mushroom and going on a trip. She said, I left my body and I saw my soul and we went to all these universes and did this and, and I was able to, to, to feel this emotion and deal with this emotion and all this. And I'm thinking, I got some relatives. I know been eating their mushrooms. <laughs> Matter of fact, I think I saw somebody in the farms last week eating their mushrooms. <laughs> I hope they don't sell those mushrooms at Walmart or the flea market. They probably do at the flea market. Well, Brother Kyle, what, what, what are you saying here? What she's talking about is, a, is an experience she definitely had with, with outside pharmaceutical sales, okay? Illegal drugs. What the Bible is talking about is the Bible is able to touch regions in your body that you have never seen. Listen, this woman says she did it, but the Bible actually does do it. It communes and communicates with your spirit. It helps you to see and to understand this this spiritual gift that we all possess called discernment. It activates your discernment and lets you know what's right and what's wrong, what you ought to be doing, what you ought not be doing. It is the Word of God in you that does this. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. But he doesn't stop there. He says, says, uh, well, let me... It's okay, y'all pay attention. It's all right. Let me just give you an example of how powerful the Word of God is this morning. As you noticed, uh, I have some books down here. And as I brought them in, uh, some of y'all said, oh gosh, it's going to be a long one, isn't it? (laughs) Can you relate to that, brother? It's going to be a long one this morning. No, it's not. Y'all sit back and relax. We're having dinner here on the grounds tonight, okay? We'll just preach on to the night and we'll just eat hot dogs here in a little bit. All right, here we go. So I have some, some books down here. These books, all these books have a meaning and a meaning to me. 
And I'm going to show you how powerful the Word of God is. This is one of the very first books that somebody gave me when I, when I surrendered to, to be to in the ministry. Uh, it is a, it's called the Wycliffe or Wycliffe Bible Commentary. And what this is, it is a commentary from Genesis to Revelation. And, and if I read something in my Bible, which is powerful, uh, and I don't understand it, it's okay, y'all. Look up here. It's okay. If you don't understand what's in your Bible, you open a commentary, and you, the, the commentary helps you sometimes. It all depends on who you are, you're reading. It helps you to understand what the Word of God says. And when I got this, I really didn't understand what it was until somebody pointed it out to me. And listen, this, this book became invaluable to me. Now, I don't use this nearly as much as I do other commentaries now, but there are times when, like when I was preaching through the book of Revelation a few years ago, Revelation a few years ago, commentators weren't talking about uh, the... Uh, the, the, uh, the thunders, the seven thunder judgments. And I, I was like, what, what in the world? And, and, you know, you look through several commentaries. Well, I came in here and it gave a, a, a kind of embellished, uh, illustration or example of what the seven thunders might be. But listen, you, you need to have more than one commentary. They, they help you. This was invaluable to me when, when I got, when I got this and somebody gave that to me, there's nothing better than free books. Amen. Amen. Then, then when I was uh, at Charlotte Pipe and Foundry, I started reading these. Did y'all, any of y'all ever read these? The Left Behind series? Any of y'all read the Left Behind series? Y'all had problems. I, at that time, I wasn't a big reader. I, I really wasn't. I'd read my Bible, but I was not a big reader. And I think Amy suggested, she said, you need to, to read the Left Behind series. And I, I read that first one in about four days. I've never read anything. It takes me longer than that to read the newspaper, y'all. Really, it, it does, doesn't it? It really does. But I read it in about four days, and I picked up the next one and the next one, and, that, and I ate them up. The only one I have not read is the last one. Well, Brother Kyle, you've got to read the last one. No, I can't. I can't do it. You know why? Because I felt so guilty. I was eating that up, and I was neglecting, guess what? The Word of God. The Word of God. So I, so I had to put it down. The Holy Spirit convicted me. You know why? Because the Bible is alive. And, and listen, but th there's another one here. This one was, was suggested to me, and I, I'm, I'm, I was kind of reluctant to bring it in here. But this was suggested to me by Mike Hawkins, the Iwana missionary for the state of South Carolina, years and years and years ago. He said, you are in a place in your spiritual walk that you need to read this to understand what's taking place around you evidently he was seeing things that I couldn't see, and I understand now why he, he wanted me to do it. But the book is called Spirits of the Rainforest. It was written by an uh, Indian shamano from, shamano from South America. And it actually talks about a realm that we just kind of, oh, man, that's, that's make-believe. No, it talks about the spirit realm. They actually use spirits to cast demons on other tribes, and it, it's effective. It works. It really does. When he came to America as a missionary walking around, he, he was driving by a local mall, Ricky, and he looked over at the missionary he was with, and he says, oh, I see the same demons are here that are in the rainforest. That's kind of unusual, isn't it? But this, this book was very good. I, I really enjoyed that. Th one of my favorite books uh, of late is called Strange Fire by John MacArthur. Have you read that one? Woo, listen. It, it, everything that I knew about uh, a, a lot of different cults and religions is in here, but it just, it helped me to ignite the fire and help me to re-understand what I already knew was true. Amen? 
that was a good book. This book, oh gosh, I've told y'all. We spent, what, three years in this book on Wednesday night after we did Journey Through the Bible. This, this book by A.T. Roberson, The Harmony of the Gospels, was one of my least favorite books when I was in school. It really was. But after we finished Journey Through the Bible, the Holy Spirit says, listen, take that book that you don't like, create an outline, and preach through all four Gospels at the same time. And I was like, Man, that's a great idea. So for over three years on Wednesday night, we used this book, which is now one of my favorite books, to understand how the Gospels, they, don't, they do not contradict each other. They complement each other. And I wouldn't have that information if it wasn't for this little book. Then, then we have this one. Oh, my gosh. I got this one at First Baptist Jacksonville, Florida, back in the 90s or late 90s. It's an expository outline of the New Testament by, by, uh, by Warren Wiersbe. At that time, he, he was uh, one of the speakers there. I loved him. He just recently passed away. Unbelievable man of God. Y'all have heard that name over and over. And you will continue because he is one of my favorite writers of commentaries, Warren Wiersbe. Love this. This book is falling apart for a reason. I have used it multiple, multiple times. Then we, then we come to this one. This used to be a must in every pastor's library. It is a Strong's Concordance. You still have a copy, the, the hard copy? Oh, yeah. And, and I keep the hard copy around, not that, that I, you know, my, just in case my, either my computer breaks down or the website that I go to, strongsconcordance.com, breaks down. What this does is this. As you're reading through your Bible and you come to a word and you don't understand the word, you can open this book up and, and it'll tell you where that word is used all throughout the Bible, and you can get a greater understanding and a greater meaning of that word. This, I mean, if you don't have a Strong's or you've never gone to Strong's Concordance on, on, on the computer, listen, you need to. Brother Kyle, that's great. That's wonderful. Is that all the books you've read? No, I've read a lot more, but this is what I want you to understand. Those are important to me. There's a whole lot more that I could have brought and explained, and we could have stayed here and ate hot dogs tonight, no dinner, all right? But I'm not doing that to you. Well, Brother Kyle, what are you trying to tell me? All these books are important. But they, 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 they're, they're about different topics, different subjects, different matter. But they have one thing in common. Every single one of them point back to this book. Do you know that there are more books written about the Bible and Jesus than any other book has been written about or talked about in all throughout history? Why is that? Because the power of the Word of God is unbelievable. Understand this. These books right here that I just gave you explanation this morning, without the Word of God, are completely and totally useless. Useless. They're wasted paper without the Word of God. The Word of God, church, this morning is powerful. The second scripture that I alluded to just a few minutes ago, is Romans 10, 17. And this is what Romans 10, 17 says about the Word of God. So then faith cometh by hearing. How do you hear? Your ears, right? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Now what that means is this. I've heard many people say, Brother, I wish my faith were stronger. I wish that my faith were stronger. 
I, I wish that I could do this. I wish that I could do that. I, I wish that I could witness more. I wish that I could give more. I wish that I could do this. We have an equation here this morning that will help you do that. Are you ready? I mean, I just said it. It's, it's really simple. Your faith that you need to grow, that you want to grow, comes and can come only by hearing the Word of God. We're going to be in the book of Genesis tonight. Jacob is about to die, and he's dealing with the 12 tribes. And he's leaving them an inheritance or a woe, saying, listen, this is what's coming your way. It's important. You're invited. If you want your faith to grow, you need to be in the Word and under the Word of God. Amen? But he doesn't stop there. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing can only come by the Word of God. There are jack leg preachers all over America right now, and at the times you know, of Christ's return, it's going to get worse. It really is. But there are preachers all over America right now that are preaching, will not preach anything but what's in the Bible. I, I, my, my professors instilled in me, Kenneth Ridings, boy, I can still hear him right now. Your scripture is strong enough to support itself. You don't need to go anywhere else. Stay with your scripture. Stay with your scripture. Stay with your scripture. I've sat under pastors who quoted 14 scriptures in the same message, and I was, on, I was confused at the end of the message. Amen? The Word of God is strong enough to support itself. It's strong enough to support itself. Listen, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing only comes by the Word of God. Your faith is not going to grow if you're not in the Word of God. It's not. Oh, Brother Kyle, hold on a second. I, I, you know, I sing Kumbaya every morning. You can sing it every morning, noon, and night, and it's not going to make your faith grow. You, you need to be in the Word of God. <coughs> well, Brother Kyle, how do we obtain this power from the Word of God? Y'all know the answer. How can we understand, how can we obtain this power that you talked about that is evidently, most absolutely, positively in the Word of God. How do we obtain it? Number one, we have to know where our copy of the Word of God is at all times. Your copy of the Word of God, you need to know where it is at all times. One of my greatest fears concerning the Word of God, my copy, this copy right here, this is my favorite copy, is that I'm going to misplace it. I'm going to lose it. Colin, you come to my house and you hang out with me, which you have in times past. I'll walk in the door sometimes and the dogs will be barking and I'll look. And God, you know, there's something on the floor and, and I'll, I'll, you know, have my keys in my hand and, and, and I, I'll go two hours later to get my truck. Guess what I can't find? My keys. That does not just happen with my keys. It has happened with my toothbrush on vacation. It's happened with deodorant on vacation. It's even happened with drawers on vacation. Gone. I know I packed them, Ricky, but I get there to put on a clean pair of drawers, and they are gone. Nowhere to be seen. I think Amy hit them. I, I still I think she hit them. Church, you need to know where the copy, your copy of the Word of God is. I, I'll never forget. I was your pastor the first year I was your pastor. And I came into my office 
Monday morning to start preparing for my, my weekly sermons. And I went to grab my Bible, and y'all know what I read first thing every morning. What do I read? What book do I read from? Proverbs. So I went to get my Bible to read the wisdom of the day in the book of Proverbs, and it wasn't on my desk. I, I couldn't find it. So I had to get a, an, an, another copy out, and I had to read through that for the day. And I, I didn't like it as much because it wasn't my Bible. It wasn't my Bible. Sometime that afternoon, there was a knock on my door. And I can't remember who it was. I think it was, was it you, Gidget? Knocked, knocked, knocked on the door, and you said, Brother K, Brother K, or you know, whatever you, whoever y'all, whatever y'all call me. Had my Bible in your hand. It had, I had put it on the roof of my car, the, the hood of my car, roof of my car, and driven off, forgotten about it, and some man, some older man, gentleman in the neighborhood in the pickup drove by and picked it up and saw that it was mine. And I got my Bible. Listen, that scares me to death. I, I have stuff that I have written in here. I, I've, I've been places, and I've, I, I might, you know, I, I've written sermon ideas up, all over it. I've got notes all over my Bible. This Bible means something to me. I hope my children fight over it when I die. I, I, I don't know. But church, it, it scares me. We need to know where our copy of the Word of God is at all times. You, you, that ought to be a fear for you as well. This, this ought to be like our car keys, our wallets, our cell phones, exactly. Generation we live in, I'm going to tell you, I've never seen my, my children lose a wallet and a pair of car keys and, and a cell phone in a heartbeat. But something else, how can we obtain this power? Church, we have to get in the Word on a daily basis. We have to get into the Word of God on a daily basis. That means you have to make time. If you're an early riser, get up a little earlier, 15 minutes earlier, brush your teeth, take a shower, put on deodorant, put on clothes, and sit down and read the Word of God for 15 minutes. Well, what difference is 15 minutes going to make? 15 minutes will make a world of difference if you don't start off the day, Word of God, the day with the Word of God. 15 minutes is tremendous. But how, how else, Brother Kyle, how else can we obtain this power? We have to understand what we're reading. You've got to. You've got to. You've heard me say this before, but I've got to say it again. Listen, we are going to be held accountable when we stand before the Lord for what we do and we don't do. The generation that we live in, we have access to more biblical tools and biblical knowledge than any other generation that's ever lived. You've got a, a, a handheld computer in your hand that walks with you, never leaves your side, that you can access every translation in the Bible. The Greek, the Hebrew, just about every commentary that's out there is in the palm of your hand. There is no reason why you as a Christian who say you love the Lord don't know more about the God, the, the God of the Bible. There, there's no reason. But there's another one. Church, opening the Word of God must become as important to us as breathing, as eating and drinking, drinking or living. The Word of God, church, is powerful. Why, Brother Kyle? Why, why, why does it need to be just as important to us as eating and breathing and drinking and living? Why does the Word of God need to be that important to us? Listen to me, church, this morning. I'm just about done. If we don't know the Bible... If we don't know doctrine, if we do not understand and try to understand theology, it is virtually impossible for us as Christians to identify false prophets in immorality. 
Let me read that again for those of you who are on the back row not paying attention. You listen? If we do not know the Bible, if we do not know doctrine, if we do not try to understand theology, it is virtually impossible for us as Christians to identify false prophets and immorality. This is a filter. This helps us to understand what's right and wrong. Do you, do you know why the political arena in our United States is so crazy today? And they're calling right wrong and wrong right. Over 60 million children have been murdered. And there's political parties say, oh, it's, it, listen, that's a woman's right. It's her choice. She can do whatever she wants to. You know why they're okay with that? They don't have a filter. They do not believe the Word of God is the Word of God. Listen, if you believe the Word of God is the Word of God, you can't do stuff like that. If the Word of God is in you, living and breathing, you can't do stuff like that. There's no way. And you can't support people who do do stuff like that if the Word of God is alive and in you. It helps us to understand false doctrine, false prophets, and immorality. Well, how can it do that? Steve Carter, because the Word of God is powerful. It's alive. It's thriving. It's cutting us under through bone, marrow, spirit. Listen, the Word of God is true. Church, if your faith comes from hearing and, the, and, and hearing from the Word of God, and hearing comes from the Word of God only, then how great is your faith? If it's determined by how much time you spend in the Word of God, how does your faith look this morning? Your faith is going to be as strong as your knowledge and devotion to God's Word is. Is your, your faith weak? Then you need to get in God's Word. Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Fathers, we come to you this morning at the end of this message. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you, you love us enough and loved us enough to leave us a copy of your word that we don't have to question what's right and what's wrong. Your word is always right, God, and we're thankful for that. God, we're thankful that we as Christians, we don't have to form an opinion because we already know that you don't care what our opinion is. Your word of God is our only opinion. That's what we stand on, your word, not our opinions. God, we thank you that you loved us enough to give us this. We thank you that we live in America where we can obtain multiple copies, God. But Lord, we also live in America where we can sit idly. Lord, I pray during this invitation you would, just, you, you would penetrate our hearts and help us to see ourselves as you see us, that we might become more useful to you by getting back in your word today. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would move in a great way during this service, not because of me or your me this message, but because of you and your message. In Jesus' name I do pray, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed. Do you need to come and tell God what he already knows? Lord, I haven't been in your word enough, but I'm going to be. I'm going to be. Will you come? If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I'm going to be standing down here at the front. Why don't you come and let me show you what the Word of God says every person must do to be born again. Will you come?